July 25th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betza and Af. Lamid Two lines from the bottom. The Mishnah. Continuing the last Mishnah, which dealt with his opinion, as opposed to the Hachamim, with regards to leniencies in the context of Mukseh. Says Abili Ezer, Omed Adam al Hamukseh, Erev Shabbat Bashevi'it ve'omer, Mikan ani ochel lemahar. Hachamim Omrim, Achi Yershom ve'yomar, Mikan ve'adkan. Mahloket here in the Mishnah is with regards to, well, the Mishnah tells us the Mukseh. What are we referring to when we say Mukseh? Mukseh could be anything that's set aside in some respect. Rashi, at the bottom of the Amud, says, Omed Adam ala Hasarich Hazmana, dealing with items which necessitate Hazmana, Lehazmin means to set aside, meaning there needs to be a designation if you're going to use this item on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, and it's specifically the types of items that if you specified, if you designated, it will be effective. What are the examples of such? Earlier in the third Perik, the Gemara, the Mishnah, the Gemara dealt with a circumstance, which Rashi in turn tells us we're dealing with over here. It's fruits which are drying, but they're not entirely dried yet. Now, in this state of being, some people would eat from them, others wouldn't eat from them. As a result, if you designate and you state, I'm going to eat from this on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, that's sufficient if you did it beforehand. It's, uh, it's again, it's ahzeh v'la'ahazeh. It's on the one hand, ra'ui, it's appropriate to be eaten from for some, but not for others. Okay, that being the case, again, I put my fruits and I'm drying them on my roof or my drying area, and I want to use them on Shabbat or Yom Tov without a hazmana, without specifying and designating that I'm going to eat from these on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, they'll be mukseh, they'll be rabbinically prohibited. Food is mukseh. That's right. Fruit, which is not yet fully dried, is mukseh. If it's not fully dried, we consider it inedible, and as a result, of course it's mukseh. So then hazmana wouldn't even work for that. Over here, it's that some people would eat from it, others wouldn't. If you designate, it's sufficient. Otherwise, it can be mukseh. In other words, it's questionable. It's questionable. If it's inedible for some people, but edible for others, you're in this in-between state, and as a result, uh, you're in a mukseh state. The way to fix it is by saying, this is what I'm going to eat from. Over here, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with something in between. It's not fully edible for people. And as a result, if you specified, you see over there, you're talking about even without specifying. Over here, we're talking about specifying. How do we specify? That's the mahluk, and that's the dispute between Bili'iz and Hachamim here in the Mishnah. What does it mean to designate? Do I need to say something? Do I need to do something? What is it that does a sufficient amount of showing my mindset that this won't be mukseh? Says Rabbi I have a particular leniency. All you need to do is omed adam ala mukseh. Stand next to the food or the place where the food is drying. Erev Shabbat, on the eve of Shabbat. Bashevi'it, we'll return to that word in a moment. Ve'omer, and you say, Mikan ani ochel lemachar. I'll be eating from these fruits tomorrow. 
That's sufficient for Biliezer. Again, we'll return to that word Bashivirit in a moment. Hachamim Omrim, the Hachamim disagree with Biliezer and say it's too far a leniency. Uh, it's, the words would not be sufficient unless Ad Shiyirshom Veyomar Mikan Ve'ad Kan. There needs to be a physical activity in which you mark with some way, let's say you took a cup or a cone of some sort, and you put it over here on one side and over here on the other side with the fruits in the middle. So I have both a physical activity of marking the place, and in addition I say, mikan ve'adkan, from here until there, I'll be eating from all of that. Anything less than that is insufficient. That's what we have in our Mishnah. Truth is, you might recall that on Daf Yod, we had a Mishnah over there. It was a mahlok between Betilil and Bet Shammai. And the context was these chicklings, these chicks, which were born, or, or young birds which were born, and weren't fully edible yet. And there was a mahloket there with regards to how do you specify those, right? So here, if you, if you recall, the, the, uh, I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, uh, well, not few, it's not really the first week, but it's early. Bet Shammai only way you'd be able to take it is if you moved it uh, before Shabbat, before Yom Tov. Right? The Gemara talked about what you're dealing with specifically with regards to these chicks, but uh, the Mahloket the in the Mishnah over here is about whether you need an action or not. Interestingly then, it means that Betilel, who say that you could just stand and state, would align with in our Mishnah the Bili Ezer. Betilel... Who, uh, excuse me, Bet Bet Shammai would align with Hachamim. The difficulty, as Tosafot points out at the top right hand corner with that, is that Bili Ezer is known oftentimes throughout Talmud as Shamuti. Bili Ezer is known as the individual who follows the opinion and was a student of Bet Shammai. So the fact that Bili Ezer is going to align with Bet over here, that speaking is sufficient, doesn't seem to line up. The Hachamim, who are disagreeing with Rabili Ezer, in turn, are probably representing Betilel's opinion. That furthermore doesn't line up. So Tosafot has a blatant contradiction. Again, the Mishnah and Daf Yod has Betilel say it's sufficient to use your words to designate. The Mishnah over here quotes that in the name of Rabili Ezer. Rabili Ezer is of the school of Bet Shammai. That's a contrast, that's a contradiction. The Mishnah over there has that Bet Shammai say you need to do an action. You need to be mena'anea. Mishnah over here has that Hachamim, who seem to be the Betilel position, say that you need to do uh, say, say that yeah, to say that you need to do a marking. So we have a blatant contradiction on two you levels. Have to talk too. You have to talk as well. You can mark you have to up talk the whole as well. Area as the same but thing. talking and as well. well. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You can mark up the entire area. You can mark up the whole area and then just state. Okay, oh, the same thing as Rebbe Ezer. doesn't have any marking. Speaking no, is sufficient, but that's okay. The area, they're both covering the whole area. I hear you. The question is, Rebbe Ezer says you see it from afar and you talk. Sufficient. They see the mark of me. Mark. You had to do something. So Tosafot cites it from Talmud Yerushalmi, top right hand corner. It says, "Umakshev by Yerushalmi mechlefa shitatayu." It seems like the opinions, the shitot, are mechlefa, are reversed. 
the Bet Shammai Le'el, the opinion of Bet Shammai and Dafyot, Ka'amar lo yitole elam ken ni'anea. They say you can't take from what needed to be designated unless you actually shook it, unless you did an action, maybe, right? Ve'acha, but over here in our Mishnah, to be the answer, says, Ka'amar, de ba'amira ba'alma sageh. Just speech is sufficient. Who said, Rabbi Li'ezer is Bet Shammai? Daha, Rabbi Li'ezer shamutihu. Because the Gemara in many places refers to Rabbi Li'ezer shamuti, milashon shamai. He was an adherent to the school of Bet Shammai. That's the first contradiction, sorry. V'yesh lamar, and then they're either citing from Tamud Yerushalmi or giving you their adaptation. Delo kashe, delo mechlefa shitatayu, demukse de ba'ale hayim adif, uh, so what Tosafot suggests is that although in principle Rabbi Hachamim, like Rabbi Li'ezer, say that speech is sufficient, when it comes to animals, when it comes to Ba'ale Hayim, there's a higher level of necessity with regards to designation. Why would you say so? The understanding over there specifically is when I'm dealing with the nesting area of those chicks, by taking from them, you'll be ruining the nesting area. As a result, the mindset of the person is really that I'm not going to mess with these items. It's not the dried fruits, which I might eat, I might not eat. It's something that I'm really removed from. It's an animal. I'm ruining all the growth and habitat and so forth of these animals. You need more than just speech when it comes to animals because the mindset of the average normal person is further removed from their usage in that circumstance. So it means that Tosafot's initial uh, explanation is that according to Bet Shammai, there's no contradiction. In principle, Bet Shammai does not need an action. Uh, it's only by Ba'ale Hayim, by animals, that you do need an action. Of course, the difficulty now is going to fall on Bet Hilel. If Bet Hilel, by animals, say that an action is not necessary, then they all the more so should say so in the context of the fruit here in our Mishnah. Continues to, I'm sorry. Continues to Safod, says, no, no, it's okay. Aval kasheh de mehlefa shitatayu de Bet Hilel. However, it's still difficult because the opinion of Bet Hilel is split. De le'el ka'amar de be'omer mikanani notel the, the Mishnah over there cites that according to Bet Hillel, excuse me, that the, the Mishnah over there says that according to Bet Hillel, uh, speech is sufficient. But in our Mishnah, the Mishnah told us you need to mark it, you need to put a symbol, you need to mark the space in addition to speech. The aksiye biyadaim. Safot says on the flip side, there's something more severe about our own Mishnah. What's more severe about our own Mishnah? Whereas on the one hand, we argue that animals is more severe. I can argue our Mishnah, the fruits are more severe. Why are fruits more severe? Aksiyayhu biyadaihu. Or with his hands, he did an action. Remember what the case is in our Mishnah. case in our Mishnah is that he took these fruit and brought them to the top of his roof. The fact that he already put his hand on these fruit, spread them out with the expressed purpose of bringing them to their full, dried-out state, and now he wants to take them earlier than that, the only way to reverse that, say Betilel, is with an action. So it means that Tosafot then, based on Talmud Yerushalmi, deals with 
how to resolve this contradiction between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai by explaining there's a severity both by animals with regards to ruining the habitat and the growth of them, and as a result, the mind is off it, and by fruit as well, which Beit Hillel pays attention to as opposed to Beit Shammai, where you did the action, and in order to undo the action, you need an action as well. All right, so that's what our Mishnah does for us. Our Gemara will take us in all together, at the very least in the first in several stages, direction than what we were addressing here in the Mishnah. Before we get to the Gemara, let me just quickly point out as well, what is at the core, at the foundation of this mahluk, this dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, whether speech is sufficient or you need action as well? Rashi, on the left-hand side, the fourth line in Rashi, says, says Rashi, it's sufficient with this, and if you call, those are the words we used on the Gemara and Daf Yod as well. Berera, livror, borer on Shabbat means to separate. The concept of berera goes like this. Can I retroactively affect halacha, reality, through something that I'm doing now? In other words, is it now that I'm coming on Shabbat? After all, I'm saying, I will be taking from this place on Shabbat. That's just speech. I didn't mark anything. On Shabbat, I grabbed those fruit. Can I say retroactively it was those fruit I was talking about? In other words, it's not so much explains Rashi about the speech. It's about a concept that runs deeper than the speech. Is the speech sufficient so that on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, I can retroactively say my speech before Shabbat and Yom Tov was referring to these fruit. I said I'm going to take from these fruit. I picked it up. That's what my speech was referring to. That's what's at the core of this. No, when I'm making a beracha, so the item, the way we understand it was asur to me. I wasn't allowed to benefit from it. Now I make a beracha and I, I, I made it permitted. Over here it's different than that. Over here it's not that a beracha per se or something that I'm doing on Shabbat is making it permitted. It's my words from before Shabbat and Yom Tov are now potentially affecting what's taking place. I, but I'm not actually designating that over here. What I'm doing over here is I'm saying I'm going to take from these fruits. Did you designate specifically? That's what Rashi says based on that Gemara we're dealing with. Okay, so the Gemara now takes us in a bit of a different direction. The reason it takes us in this direction is because it's going to bring a proof from our Mishnah for this concept, for this issue. And, uh, and the direction it's going to bring us in is to the Halachot of Ma'aseh. Now, uh, with regards to Ma'asir, we're familiar uh, somewhat, I believe, with uh, the halakha, something called Ma'asir Rishon. Ma'asir Rishon means taking the first tenth from your produce and giving it to the Levi. Uh, that's the halakha of Ma'asir. Now, not everything do you take Ma'asir from, and not all fruit or vegetables that you're taking the Ma'asir from do you take it under all circumstances. The halakha that we need to uh, be, uh, address initially are twofold. Number one, there needs to be what's called re'iyat penehabayit. We're going to be doresh, it will cite it from Rashi, which means to say if I'm out in the field collecting the produce, I can eat from that produce even without taking a tenth from it. It's only when I get to my home or to my storehouse and the fruit, the vegetables, the produce comes through the door of the storehouse, that's when it's nikba' lema'aseh. That's when it becomes a state and being where it's hayab b'ma'aseh. It's a later stage in the process. That's called re'iyat penehabayit. 
Rabbinically speaking, you're only allowed to eat outside of the home before it saw the home, achilat aray, a temporary eating. But from the Torah, you can have a permanent eating, provided that it didn't have ri'iyat kunayabayit. That's number one. Number two, whenever we talk about ma'asem, and we addressed a lot of these halachot when we learned ma'asechet roshana, you have to address what's called gimar melacha. There's something having to do with the item is finished in terms of its uh, production. Which means to say, are you at the latest stage of what this item will be used for? And as a result, if you're going to dry it out, for example, or something of that sort, you're going to have to pay careful attention to that. It's only going to be hayav b'ma'asir when you got to that dried out state. Okay, that's what we're going to address in our Gimara. In order to get there, we have to pay attention to that word I told us. We're, I told you you were skipping in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, Erev Shabbat bashibi'it. Right? The Mishnah said, you're allowed to, you're supposed to, before Shabbat, before Yom Tov, on Shiv'it, say, I'm going to take from this place. What's that? So, first, what does the word Shiv'it mean? Shiv'it says, uh, Eli means the seventh year, Shemitah year. Uh, what is Shemitah year? Well, Shemitah, of course, is the year in which we don't work the field. But there's a further halakha about Shemitah. It's a dirasha from the Torah. The Torah says that on the seventh year, you won't work the field. The field will be eaten by, the produce in the field will be eaten by animals. And the derasha in turn is the same way animals don't need to take a tenth in order to eat from the produce, so too on the seventh year, anything that grows in your property, anything that you're eating from, you don't need to take ma'asir from it. Oh, that being the case, it means that's why the Mishnah then says these, these words for us. So it goes like this. It's before Shabbat, and I'm looking at my produce on my roof, and now I'm thinking about eating it on Shabbat. Well, have you taken your ma'asir from this produce yet? Or says the Mishnah, it's a shivi'it. You don't need to take a ma'asir from it. So again, reproduce the situation. Let's redo the situation. It's before Shabbat. I say, honey, I'd like to eat from those fruits on Shabbat. Really? They're not fully ready? No, I'm ready for it. I'm going to eat it like that. Oh, but it might be a problem of muksir. Okay, let me go up and handle that. So I go up and I do either the bilayez or hachamim. But have you taken a tenth from it? Have you taken the ma'asir? That's what the Mishnah says. You're dealing with shivi'it, shemitayir. You don't need to be taking ma'asir because you wouldn't be able to take the ma'asir on Shabbat. Rashi points out as well, it could have been a case where I already took the ma'asir, but the Mishnah mentions it as such as a regular situation where I could say there's no ma'asir problem. All the situations. If you didn't, so then you'd have to take Ma'asir before Shabbat. If you didn't take Ma'asir before Shabbat, rabbinically speaking, you're not allowed to take it on Shabbat. Now, we're going to get into halachot with regards to Shabbat and uh, those halachot that I just mentioned a moment or two ago. That you have to have something which is called kivi'ah lima'asir. You need to have a kivi'ut. You need to have something that's established. Does Shabbat give it that establishment? We said when it goes through the doors of the home, it's now established, you need to take ma'asir. What's the status with regards to Shabbat? As we're going to address all those sorts of issues, it comes up by means of this. Yes, Charles? Just a quick question. So is there any significance that it says children in the Mishnah? The Mishnah didn't say children yet. The Beraita, this Mishnah that we're going to quote in the Gemara. Uh, give it a second. Um, okay. But not per se. Um, no, not that I know of. It says the Gemara, Tenan Hatam. The, Mish- the Gemara is going to quote two separate Mishnayot. The first one, well, both of them are from Masechet Ma'asrot. first one's from Perek Dal, the second one's from Perek Gima. So the first one goes like this, Tinokot. So Charles is asking, is it specifically children? Not per se, I think it's just a normal thing a child would do, maybe, as opposed to an adult. Uh, what's the case? Tinokot shetamnu te'enim me'erev Shabbat v'shachechu v'lo iseru l'motzai Shabbat lo yochlu elem ken iseru. 
So the first case is the following. Te'enim. Te'enim means figs. I'm dealing with figs. Explains Rashi as well that the figs are nigmera melachtam. The plan is to eat from the figs as they are. You're not doing anything in the later process of these figs. Okay, but keep in mind, the only way in which it's going to be hayad b'ma'asir, you're obligated in taking a tenth is, not only that it's nigmar melachto, it needs to have riyat penehabai, it needs to be brought into the home. All right, it's Erev Shabbat, I'm a child, and I say, you know something? I'd like to eat from those figs. So I take the figs and I hide them somewhere. Shetimenu te'enim. They've hid figs with the intention of eating from them on Shabbat. Me'erev Shabbat. They did this before Shabbat. They took figs off the tree. They haven't taken a tenth from it, but it hasn't come into the home yet, and they hide it somewhere. And then Shabbat ends. Shachichu. Velo iseru. They forgot about those figs. They never took ma'aseh from them. But it's now Motza'eh Shabbat. Shabbat's over. And now they want to go eat from those figs. Keep in mind, the figs never came into the home. They never had re'iyat bayit. Le Motza'eh Shabbat lo yochlu et laimken iseru. You're not allowed to eat from those figs after Shabbat unless you took ma'aseh from them. So let's break this down one more time. Before Shabbat, if they picked up those figs, they haven't been in the home yet, these figs. You don't need to take ma'asir. Eat from them. Rabbinically speaking, eat temporary eating. Don't have a full-fledged meal. Got it. Temporary meal. Uh, Shabbat passes. We forgot to eat from them. We set them aside. We were going to eat from them on Shabbat. They were designated for eating on Shabbat. Didn't eat from them. Motzei Shabbat, now you need to take ma'asir. Why so? What happened over here? This is a special halakha. This is the halakha that not only does entering it into the home, establish it and now obligate you in taking a tenth, Shabbat itself does. It's a derashaf in pasuk v'karata la Shabbat onig. Shabbat has the status of Anything on this day is permanent in nature. It's finished. You're now not dealing with something which didn't have its finished process. It's a finished process. Shabbat kovat lemaaser. It's a it's a major and famous halacha. As a matter of fact, before we even continue, there is a halachic conversation about this. If we're understanding that Shabbat has a way of making permanence to something, finishing its process, what happens in the following type of situation? Maran Hachidan is Birkei Yosef in Siman Kof quotes this from his grandfather, Abraham Azulai. He says, what about, on, generally speaking, during the week? If you have something that's pataba'a b'kisnin, you have, we'll call it, mizonot item. Uh, now, if you have a mizonot item, you're saying mizonot. What if I established it as my meal? I'm having a lot of egg rolls for lunch. Well, you'd have to say hamotzi, you established it as your meal. What about when it comes to Shabbat? Shabbat, we just said in the Gemara, something that's generally speaking seen as not complete, not permanent in nature, the ma'asir, the item that might be ma'asir, and now it's hayav in ma'asir, because of Shabbat kovad le ma'asir. Uh, what about patabab kisnin? What about mizonot? I just have one uh, egg uh, chali. I'm not intention, intending to have this as my meal. Is it kovea lehamotzi? He quotes from his grandfather, it is. And you wouldn't be able to just have mizonot on Shabbat unless you always say hamotzi on it because Shabbat is kovat. Shabbat it's gives about, that a step. After Shabbat, not during Shabbat. No, on Shabbat. What do you mean? He, I have mass here after Shabbat. Right. Another during one. Shabbat, I'm not, I'm not 
Oh, this kid. You didn't make him take master if he wants to eat it on Shabbat. Their intention was... They couldn't eat from it on Shabbat because it's That's the problem. Even after Shabbat. No, no, no. On Shabbat. Shabbat is... He goes, yeah. to, he can't eat it even on Shabbat. Can't eat on Shabbat, he can't take Masa on Shabbat. The Hidushes, even after Shabbat, since Shabbat gave it its established state. That's so what the reason it says they forgot. It doesn't matter if they forgot Because the Hidush over here in this Mishnah is that even though they didn't eat from it on Shabbat, right. so maybe that dissipates, it doesn't have the status of Shabbat any longer, it extends. Since their mindset was to eat it on Shabbat, you have kibi'ut, and it's going to be hayab even after Shabbat they as well. They weren't allowed to eat it on Shabbat? The, unless they took ma'aseh, yeah. which they didn't, right? No, but that's what you but said. But they didn't come to the house. In the field, you don't need to take ma'aseh. The douche is that Shabbat is kobat l'ma'aseh. Generally speaking, you eat it in the field, you're okay. Shabbat gives it a new establishment of kibi'ut, so much so that even after Shabbat, when I didn't touch it on Shabbat, it's Hayab B'ma'asir. Anyway, that's what he mentions. Maran HaChidat uh, uh, disagrees with it. We go LaHalacha, even though there is a source from Maharach or Zarua along those lines. We go LaHalacha, that you can have egg chali if you're not eating it as part of, as, as your establishment of a meal. It's not Kobe'a in that respect. But there are major questions about this. You know, for example, they asked about this in the context of Sukkot as well. Sukkot, you can't have a full-fledged meal outside of the sukkah. You can have a little bit of it. Uh, what about if it's Shabbat on Sukkot? Is Shabbat, the eating, kovea? And as a result, we'd have that. Okay, we, on all these circumstances, assume it's only a halakha by ma'asir and not a halakha by something like pataba bekisnin. Okay, the next Mishnah. So that's the first Mishnah. Let's just remember for a moment what the Mishnah told us. It was an item, the te'inim, the figs, which are nigmera melachtam. You don't intend on doing anything later to them. However, it was Shabbat, it's Kovea. That much we know, even though it didn't have, we know all these words now, Re'iyat Penehabayit. Next, Utenan Nameh. Next Mishnah, Masechet Ma'asrot. Hamma'avir te'enim b'chasero liksot banavu b'nei beto ochlin mehen aray u'peturim. The statement over here is, a person is moving his te'enim, his figs, in his field, in his hatser, liksot. What does liksot mean? Liksot means to dry them out. Now, the statement over here is it's in your hatser. It's not in the sadeh, in the regular field. The hatser is your courtyard. That's parallel, that's tantamount for our purposes to your home. So, let's understand. You brought these items in. Two, let's call it your home for the moment. It's your courtyard, but your courtyard has the same status as your home for this. But, even though you brought it, quote-unquote, into your home, into your courtyard, nonetheless, your children, your family, including yourself as well, of course, can eat from them, aray, in a temporary fashion, and you don't need to give maaser. Why not? I don't understand. What's that? We're saying because they're not finished. Because your intention is laksot, to dry them. The fact that they're not dried out yet, halakha in turn is, even though I had riyat penehabayit, without the double of nigmera melachto, it was finished, it's complete in its process, it's not hayab b'ma'asir. Okay. So they, that, <laughs> they are edible, but they're not complete in terms of your mindset and in what you're going to do with these. Now, that being the case, we now have a question. It's not a problem, it's a question. With regards to... Sh- regular day. Regular day. Regular day. Regular day. That's absolutely. 
Now we have the following question. We then, if you've, if you've been lining them up in your mind, have two halachot. Number one, Shabbat is kovea. Shabbat gives that permanent stature that it now is hayabemaser. And I know that even if it entered into your home, if it doesn't have gemar melacha, it's not hayabemaser. What about on Shabbat? If I have the figs, which I intend on drying, and it's Shabbat. In the courtyard. In your house, in the, but you know, it doesn't matter. In the oh. field, it's Shabbat. Okay. And I have intention to eat it on Shabbat. Is it now Hayab B'Maaseh? Again, Shabbat I'm right. the, the Shabbat, is Shabbat so strong that it's Kovea more than Re'iyat Penei Habayit? Again, Re'iyat Penei Habayit is only when it's Nigmeram Melachtam, when you finished it. If it's Laksot, if it's to dry it out, as Joey said to us, you're not finished with the process, and as a result, you're not Hayab B'Maaseh. Shabbat, is it the same as Re'iyat Penei Habayit? And as a result, it's only when it's Nigmeram Melachtam, it's Hayab B'Maaseh, or even before, and that's the question here in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, we now have a question. Shabbat, mahu shetikva mukse lemaaser bedavar shelo nigmera melachto. Mi amrinan? Do we on the one hand say kevan dichtiv as the pasuk says vekarata la Shabbat oneg? Shabbat is an established day for enjoyment and eating. Kaveah. There's a kivyot, there's a permanence to this item that it's considered hayad b'ma'asir, it's obligated in taking the tenth, even if you didn't finish the production entirely. In other words, I plan on drying it out. Or dilma, or perhaps it has the identical status of the entrance into the home. B'davar shenigmera melachto kavi'ah. B'davar shelo nigmera melachto lo kavi'ah. Uh, that's the Safiq of the Gemara. So the question that Rava poses to Rav Nachman is, does Shabbat have the identical status of bringing the item into the home? In other words, only if it's finished process, is it now Hayab Ma'asir? Or even if it doesn't, is Shabbat so strong, so potent and powerful that it'll overpower the item and make it Hayab Ma'asir? Amar Leh, his initial response is, Rava to Rav Nachman, Shabbat Kova'at, Ben bedavar shenigmer amelachto, ben bedavar shelo nigmer amelachto. Shabbat is the strongest in this respect. Whereas if you entered it into your home, the only time it's hayab mas, and you can eat from it beforehand, at the very least, a temporary meal is if it's nigmer amelachto. In other words, I finish drying it out, or I don't plan on drying it out over there. I can eat from it. I, I, it's only hayab mas when you get up to that final stage. When it comes to Shabbat, I have my dried fruit. Now you might understand why we're going to go back to our Mishnah. I have my dried fruit on my roof, but they're not fully dried out, but it's Shabbat, and I intend to eat from them. What's that halakha going to be according to this? You're not allowed to. It's going to be Shabbat kovat l'maaser. Amar le ve'ema Shabbat umiyat ha'atzer ma'atzer e'na kovat e'la b'davar shenigmerah melachto. Av Shabbat lo tikva e'la b'davar shenigmerah melachto. Rav Nachman responds to Ravan. He says, who told you that? I don't understand. You're making this up? This is a logical item? You told me, oh, I'll tell you. Shabbat, strong. Really? Maybe it's strong that it's as strong as the Hatzir, the courtyard, identical to the home. Maybe that's the strength of Shabbat. In other words, only if it's finished in its processing, only if it reached its final stage of what you're going to use it for. Otherwise, it's not Hayab Ma'asir. Amale responds Ravat Rav Nachman. No, 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 you misunderstood. You thought I was just Heke saying. You thought I was just logically speaking. You asked me a question, I answered in a moment. Limud Aruchu Biyadenu. We have a tradition. We have a teaching which is organized in our hands. What is aruch? Like shohan aruch. It's set. 
right? Shohan Aruch is a book which is called The Set Table. Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo set a table for us in terms of halakha. He says, we have a limud aruch. We have a set up and organized teaching in our hand. Shabbat kova'at ben bedavar shenigmera melachdo, ben bedavar shelo nigmera melachdo. Our tradition is Shabbat is so strong, it stands at the top, that if I have something and I intend to eat from it on Shabbat, it is immediately on Shabbat, nikva' lemaaseh, hayab maaseh, and I can't eat from it, even if it's lo nigmera melachto. The Gemara will... Of course, if you took maaseh, so then it's not done. So now the next line in the Gemara will be, uh, well, maybe we could bring support from our Mishnah. Right. In other words, in other words, his statement is limut aruchu biyader Shabbat kovat amar mor zutra bered Rav Nachman tanina. He says, in truth, af even anan we tanina. We learned in our Mishnah. Rava, you said you have a tradition. Fantastic. We love traditions. But you can prove it from our Mishnah. How are you going to prove it from our Mishnah? Quote. Our Mishnah begins. Ve'od amar our Mishnah is talking about where you had the mukseh, which meant the fruits which are not finished in their drying, which means my intention is technically speaking for them to be finished in their drying process. And what does the Mishnah say? If it is Shemitah, meaning that there's no obligation in taking the Ma'asir, and I designate that I'm going to eat from this on Shabbat, then it's permitted. What if it wasn't Shemitah? What if... It wasn't Shemitah. I, apparently, the Mishnah then is telling us that even though it's Lonig Meramelachto and I designated it, it's still going to be Asur to eat from. Why so? It's, it's Lonig Meramelachto. Clearly, Shabbat is so strong. Ta'amad Shivi'it. The reason our Mishnah is telling you that in that circumstance you're allowed to eat from those fruits is because it's on Shemitah year. As a result, there's no hayuv and ma'asa, there's no obligation in taking a tenth. However, if it's bisha'ar, the other shaneh years of shavua, the seven-year process, um, it seems clear from our Mishnah, you would not be able to eat from... Wait a second, why am I not allowed to eat from them? It's lonik meramelachto. I plan on drying it out. It's not going to be hayad ma'asir. Clearly Shabbat has a stronger, more powerful status than even in a lonik meramelachto. Do you follow Eli? Eli, in a, even in a lonik meramelachto, it's kovat lemaasir. How does Again, mukseh, we're calling mukseh these items which are not finished in their drying process. So we have effectively two issues in our Mishnah, right? Issue number one is that it wasn't prepared. Okay, I have a dispute about how to prepare it. You designate it even with, either with words or with actions. Got that much. But I have a second issue. You have to take ma'asir, you can't take ma'asir on Shabbat. Oh, we're talking about Shemitah. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did you hear yourself? It's lonik meram lachto. It didn't finish its process. That's why you had a mukse issue about that. You make a calculation of ma'asir even if it didn't finish the process. Who knows everything's going to be good, not good. I hear you. Uh, I hear you. You're going to have to do it lechumrai. I'm going to have to assume. But the point, ultimately speaking, is Shabbat clearly has the strength and status and power to overpower these fruits, this produce, to the extent that it's going to be hayab b'ma'asir, even though lo nigmeram melachto. Okay, we'll continue with the deflection in the Gemara tomorrow. Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen ve'amen.